Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode number 403. Things that we think are going to be horrible may turn out actually to be a really a blessing in disguise. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy you're joining me here today, this last day of 2022, and not a moment too soon. I won't lie, this has been a rocky year for me and my family. Apart from the wonderful bright light of my son getting married, bringing us a daughter-in-law that I adore, in between the many beautiful days and memories, the months have also brought forth illness and disappointments, sadness and loss. In the show today, Jen references a saying that goes something like this, don't wish away the challenges of your life because that's how you got to where you are today. Although we wish it, Nobody signed an agreement with us that all our days will be smooth and happy. Not one person on earth gets that luxury. Although some people's lives are easier than others, no doubt. What we can learn is new ways to manage and cope with life's struggles before they appear on our doorstep. Whether you're in a position where you can support someone else or you need it for yourself, when you're done listening to the show today, you'll have a new perspective along with suggestions on how to work through the darker days when they appear. We get to turn the page tomorrow and write a brand new chapter for our lives. My hope is that all your days are peaceful and glorious. Just keep this episode in your back pocket, just in case. If you are listening to this podcast right when it airs, it's going to be New Year's tomorrow, a whole new year for us to anticipate, have our dreams come true, set new goals, all different types of things. And as I was thinking about the special guest that I wanted to bring on for this show, there was only one choice, and you are going to get to meet her right now. It's Jen Hardy. Jen is the host of the Hearty Mom podcast and is also an author, speaker, coach, disability advocate, and military spouse. This homeschooling mom of seven calls herself a collector of eclectic diseases and a mystifier of physicians. I know we're going to be diving into why that is. Jen uses her experience with chronic illness to help others with what can be a very challenging journey. And for all of us, as we look into next year, there are going to be things that come our way that we may not have been anticipating. And I want you to remember back to this very special episode to get strength and inspiration when those times hit, because we know they're going to hit all of us. But it's exciting because we're going to have the tools that we need to take care of everything that can get thrown at us. Jen, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Oh my gosh, Sue, thank you so much for having me on the show. And I cannot wait. I'm so excited to be part of this. I love what you do. You and I talked, I think about five months ago. Mm -hmm. And that's when we came up with this idea, like this would be the perfect conversation for going into the new year. Absolutely. Yep. And I guess it's good for any time. 
people who are listening later too, like, you know, life carries on, but there's something about the new year where it's just like, we feel like we're turning over another page. <laughs> it's brand new, right? We can do anything. Yeah. It's like that new box of crayons that you open up. Exactly. I don't know. We homeschool. And so at the beginning of every year, yeah, there's just something exciting about all the fresh new things and yeah, it's just exciting. And I talked to somebody and he was saying that he thinks of life like a book. And so every part, every section of your life is like a chapter, but we get to write the title for our own chapter. And I think that's perfect for going into the new year, because no matter what has happened in this past year, you can say, I'm starting a new chapter and this is going to be its title. And it may or may not looking like that title, but you know, we can choose how we're going to start it, what we're going to call it. I love that. Yes. So because I've done this as a tradition for all the years I've been podcasting, I still have to do this with you, Jen. And that is having you describe yourself by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to close your eyes and just envision a candle that speaks so much to you, what would it look like? Okay. So if I was going to have a candle, it would be, I have candles all over my house. I live on an island by the beach. So they're all beachy. So it would look kind of blue because blue is so relaxing and tan for the sand. And it would smell like the beach because yeah, that's just, I love to be surrounded by the ocean and it calms me. So that would be what it looked like. Yeah. Fresh and breezy and oh, it sounds beautiful. Little salty, little sassy. <laughs> Now we're all jealous. You know that. <laughs> and do you have a quote or a saying or something that you would put on it? You know, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think no one can make you feel inferior without your consent, because I know I lived a lot of my life feeling inferior and I did not need to do that. So I think just a good reminder that we can choose how we feel. Why is it that we're smarter as we add on the years? Oh, my gosh. Like if only we would have known that earlier. Yes. Oh my goodness. If I could go back and talk to my past self. I know. But then think I wouldn't end up where I am today. And where I am today, even though it was really difficult to get here, is a pretty great place. So, you know, my husband keeps telling me, don't wish it away because that's how we got here. Oh, there you go. I love that. That's so true. Well, give us a little bit of the understory about that. Like, what's your journey been like? My journey, you know, in the past, there was a lot of abuse and I don't normally talk about that, but that is kind of how I ended up. I think as I've done a lot of research into health, because I'll talk about my health journey for the most part, but a lot of us with multiple health issues have trauma. And so if you're listening and you have a lot of health issues, it's just something to consider and to handle, I think, because for me, now that I've realized that I feel a lot better. But in 2013, I was sick. I got diagnosed with a disease called myasthenia gravis, which is a rare disease. And before we could really get a handle on it, I spent six different weeks in the hospital in 2014 and I had 20 day long infusions at home and no one thought I was going to make it. And what made it even harder was my husband's was military and he had just gotten back from Iraq a couple of years before that, but he worked, he was gone 12 hours a day doing military things. And I had seven kids. So I had a two and four-year-old and then five teenagers. And so it was a really rough time. And I got through that year. I got through the next couple of years, but I was mostly in bed. I had been in a wheelchair for a while. Couldn't leave my room because there were steps to go up. So everybody just had to either come to my room or I was by myself. It was a very rough, rough time. And then in 2018, my doctors told me there was really nothing else they could do but make me comfortable. And it was really, really hard. 
And somehow I am still here, even though I wasn't supposed to make it past 2019. And I have this podcast. I've written four books. I live in my dream location and I am breathing, which I was not supposed to be breathing on my own after 2018. And here I am. So it's been an amazing miracle is what it's been. It's just an amazing miracle that I'm even here at all today. Well, we are so blessed that you're here today. I have to start by saying that. I can't hear you say that whole story and then not address it in that way first off. But that's incredible. Like you just kept carrying on at that time and day to day and your body ended up healing itself. So no, I'm not healed. And I thought I was doing a lot better than I am. But actually, I didn't realize my husband has been picking up the slack. So I was taking a whole lot of medicine. You see these old people with these huge Ziploc baggies full of medicine. I had two of those that I took every single day. It was crazy. And I just kept getting worse. And so this is not medical advice. You definitely talk to your doctors. But I actually got off some of my medicines. And I feel better because the side effects, I think, they were just adding up from all the medicines. And living by the ocean, my breathing was getting really bad. And my diaphragm, like the muscle that makes you breathe, it only works at 20%. And so that combined with asthma and a bunch of things, I was really having a struggle. So I thought, you know, if I live close to the ocean, I can breathe in the salt air. It might help. And it has. So... Yeah, it's really been a miracle. The fact that I'm here is a miracle. I also have muscular dystrophy. So almost all of the muscles in my lower back are completely gone. They're just gone. They've been replaced by fat. And the doctor said, I shouldn't be sitting here. I shouldn't be walking. And yet we met at PodFest with me mm -hmm. walking around, meeting everybody. I'm just thankful every single day that I'm here, honestly. Not only that, at PodFest, you went to the late night party and I didn't. <laughs> I stayed back. I did go to the late night party. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the reason why this episode at this point in time is so great. Because, and I'm not sure how much we'll get more into your story or how this is going to evolve. It's all free flowing. But I think of people out there at any age, right? You can be younger, you can be older, you know, whenever. And there can be things that you're struggling with of all different sorts. It can be physical or mental abuse. It can be disease. It can be debilitating things that happen. It can be an accident that's left you in a wheelchair. There are all of these types of things, and that can sound very depressing <laughs> for a New Year's Eve day podcast. However, my thinking with this is if we start talking about what types of things, heaven forbid, something like this happens to somebody, what are some coping mechanisms before you have to be employing them Right, that could help, right? And it doesn't even have to be that devastating. There are things that happen. Life happens. You lose people. Accidents, even if it's for a limited amount of time, can be a struggle. So that's the kind of conversation that I'd love to get into today, just to equip all of us with tools and thinking mindset to set ourselves up to be stronger for next year or help somebody else who's facing something like that for next year. I think that's great. Well, and I just did a bunch of research on moms because my audience are moms that are going through some kind of health challenge. So it could be, you know, physical, emotional, whatever. And something that I've learned is that 55% of Gen Z, which is like 26 and younger, are clinically depressed. Now, that number is staggering to me. 
And so I think, you know, if you're listening, there's a 50% chance you've got some kind of diagnosis already. And I think that the key is that no matter what it is, no matter what it is that you're dealing with, like you said, it could be anything that comes along. You just say, okay, this is life is ups and downs, right? I mean, there's a proverb that says you can't taste the sweet unless you've tasted the salty. And that's how we get through, right? Because if life was eating candy all the time, it would not taste good. You know, we would not like that. You'd have no comparison. And a comparison, right? Like good things and bad things. So we really, really appreciate the good when something has been a struggle. And so I think the first thing to know is this is part of life. And so if you just expect life to be sunshine and roses all the time and you're shocked anytime something happens, I think that makes it harder. So not to be on the negative side either, like, oh my gosh, what's happening now, right? But just to say, okay, this is part of life and something good can come out of anything. That's something that I've learned too. That's, and I'm just going to tell a little parable and you don't have to leave this in if you don't want to. You know, I will. I don't even know what's coming, but I'm definitely leaving it in. (laughs) It's really, really important. My kids have this book and I don't know where the parable came from, to be quite honest, but there's this man, okay? There's this poor man who's a farmer and he's out there farming and his horse runs away. All of his friends say, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. Your horse ran away. Now you have to plow the fields all by yourself. It's going to be so hard. And he said, well, I don't know if it's good or if it's bad. And they thought that was crazy. Well, when the horse came back, it brought a friend and then he has two horses and all his friends say, oh my gosh, this is great. Now you can get twice the work done. And he said, well, I don't know if it's good or bad. And they thought, well, why not? Well, then his son's out training the second horse, falls off and breaks his leg. And his friends say, that's horrible. (laughs) Now your son has a broken leg. But then there's going to be a war and the the government comes to the village and takes all able-bodied young men off to war and his son can't go because his leg's broken. Now the people all say, well, that's great. So the story can go on forever and ever. But the point is, you just never know, right? Things that we think are going to be horrible may turn out actually to be a really a blessing in disguise. You know, we just have to look at it. So like we were kind of talking before, I spend a lot of time in bed. I'm actually in bed. I'm only out of bed four to six hours a day because of the way my body is. So I have a special chair that I can set up in that holds me up or on the couch or whatever, but I'm not up more than four hours a day, maybe six. And so a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, well, that's horrible, right? Your life must be horrible, but my life is not horrible. I have a podcast and I can do that from bed. I have a hospital table that can turn into a studio. I spend a lot more time cuddling with my kids, being with my kids. We actually can homeschool from my bed. And I just have learned that what I choose to do is out of there is going to be the most important, special, great thing that I can do. And so it's made me put everything, really pick and choose what is really important And it's made my kids really be able to pick and choose. You know, if mom's got this much time, what are we going to do together? And I think there's a real blessing that comes from that because we don't run, run, run. You know, we used to run. When I had my older kids, we were in LA and it was just like, everybody has to be doing all these things all the time and you never get to rest. And I think that a lot of life gets lost in that, to be honest. That is so true. And this is a topic that we touched upon in last week's episode and the conversation specifically about rest and how much beauty comes out of rest. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure to jump back to last week's episode and hear that. But first, I want to say this is so good because a lot of handmade creators are homebound. I have no idea what percentage, but I've talked to quite a few people who started making a handmade craft for their own enrichment and fulfillment because creating things with your hands is psychologically very helpful. 
And then it's something that they can do where they're feeling of value. And so a good portion of our audience of handmade creators are in some type of situation like that, where they're in a special bed or wheelchair. They couldn't get out, let's say, to craft shows. Someone else either has to sell that way or they're doing things online. And it's the positioning of how you talk to yourself about your situation that is so important. Absolutely, because that's how I started. Well, I started a blog in the beginning and then I wrote a book and then I started my podcast. And it was all because I'm a mom with seven kids with multiple chronic illnesses. And when I would go online, everyone was just like whining and complaining, but nobody had a solution. You know, how are you supposed to live? How are you supposed to parent and not succumb to that? You know, just that, well, why me? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Well, I think it's important to notice that when you're diagnosed with something or even before the diagnosis, you know something's going on with your body. It's important to realize that it's kind of like a death in a way because it's a death of the life you knew. It's an ending of what you thought might happen, what you thought might be, whatever. And to realize that if you grieve it, you allow yourself to grieve it. And there's like the Kubler-Ross seven stages of death where, you know, I don't know them off the top of my head because brain fog. But if you research that, allow yourself to go through that. Allow yourself, you know, some days you're going to get angry. Some days you're going to be frustrated. You know, all these people are doing things and especially other people don't understand. If I say I'm barely out of bed, but then they see me and I don't look sick. I don't know what looking sick is supposed to look like, you know, because I think when people picture that you can't get out of bed, they picture you looking, I don't know, not like everybody else does. Like you're sick because normally you think if you have to be in bed all day, you're sick, right? Right. Like you look like somebody with the flu or whatever. And so I think dealing with that is hard. So I think allowing yourself to grieve and educating the people around you with what's happening, because a lot of people will look at you and say, well, you must be fine. And then they say a bunch of things that make you sad because they think you're faking or they don't believe or there's so many different things. And so that's a big part of it. This is really interesting to me. I've never thought about this before, is if you know somebody who, like you're talking about, has to be in bed a lot, or you know you know that their lifestyle needs to be different than what you think of as the quote unquote regular lifestyle, right? Right. There could be people who are thinking, oh, this is a sympathy play. She's really better. Look at her. She's better. Like She doesn't look bad. You know, She's just playing off our sympathy or something. And you're really putting up the flag and saying, no, attention, attention. That's not the case. Exactly. They may look just fine, but struggling physically, mentally, whatever. Right. Well, and I've talked to so many people that say, oh, you do that? Well, my daughter thinks she's sick or, you know, my mom pretends like she's, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, no, this is exactly what I talk about. (laughs) They probably really are sick and you just don't understand. But, you know, there are people who fake it, right? There are people who play for sympathy. There are people who fake it, who just want attention, you know, who are like, oh, you know. But what I've learned in dealing with a lot of people is there's a lot less people that are doing that than people think. Interesting. And so how should we interact with people like that? What's the right thing to say? I mean, you want to show sympathy, but you don't want to go too far. Hopefully through this conversation right here, we've, you've enlightened me, but let's enlighten everybody that, you know, rethink this, even if they look great, they may not really be great. So I have to tell you that on my podcast, on the Hardy Mom podcast, episodes 97 and 98 are specifically about that, what to say and what not to say to somebody. But I think not to say things like, oh, I wish I could sleep all day or I wish I could nap all day because our nap isn't because we want to just put our feet up and eat bonbons. 
it's because we're horribly exhausted. I think the word fatigue, you know, chronic fatigue, it's like, oh, you have a little fatigue. You know, it doesn't, I don't know that word. It just drives me crazy. <laughs> People are like, you know, I don't know. But I think, you know, what not to say is to downplay. You don't need to downplay it. If you feel like they just want attention, you don't have to say much at all, but don't, you know, oh, I'm sure you're fine. Just get up. And then not giving people really weird. Oh, well, you know, if you just ate lettuce and nothing else for 30 days or like we hear all these random things. All the advice, right? From people who have no clue. Right. And just because it worked for Aunt Betty, you know, whatever. And then the things to do are, you know, like if you live around the corner from me and you're running to the store, it'd be great if you said, hey, you know, do you need something? You know, you need milk or I, I am out of milk, but I'm not going to call you every time that I can't go to the store. And then mm -hmm. the second thing is if someone is very unwell and you know they are, they're really struggling and they have kids offering to take their kids, even if it's for a couple hours, just to let them rest is for me was the biggest thing and the hardest thing to get people to do, honestly. And if you offer something, follow through. If you don't want to offer, don't offer. I think that's the, probably the hardest part is a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, what do you need? But then they have no intention of following through with it. So just don't say it. Well, and sometimes, I mean, I know that I want to offer support in situations like that. And I genuinely don't know what they need. But right. I love the idea that you're suggesting here about offering up actions that can take the weight off of their day in some way. You know, like right. very typical, you know, if someone's not well or someone's passed in a family, you know, you make meals and you bring them to the house, right? But these other ideas that you're talking about, you know, calling and saying, hey, I'm on the way to the grocery store, coming right by your house. Can I pick something up for you and drop it off? Right. Things like that. So I love that idea of suggesting a couple of things that you could do for them that you would want to do versus something that feels bigger, like emotional support feels bigger. And it's hard to give emotional support if you don't have experience, knowledge, or you're not as close to them either. Right. They're not going to necessarily open up to every single person in their life, you know, depending on how close a relationship you have. So that's great advice, Jen. I love that. And then one other thing, then, and you can do this whether you're don't feel well or not, but I had a neighbor in my last neighborhood and she lived right next door to me. And what we did was one day I made dinner and I just doubled it and shared with her. And one day she made dinner and doubled it and shared it with me every single week. So there was one day every week I didn't have to cook or pay for dinner. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't harder for me while I was already cooking to make it a double batch, right? And that took so much weight off because cooking for me is just exhausting. And my husband's now home and he's helping, but before he couldn't. And so that was just an amazing, amazing. Plus she's Japanese, she's from Japan. And so I had authentic sushi and Japanese food all the time. It was so wonderful. <laughs> but I think that's another thing too. And just if you have your own job too, if you're doing these crafts and you've got your own business and you're busy because especially, you know, the beginning of the year, you're trying to get things going and you can work with somebody that lives relatively close and say, hey, you know, you're busy, I'm busy, let's do this thing. And it would really help everybody. Mm -hmm. That's just one of my favorite things. We were talking earlier about just the whole mindset. I loved what you were talking about in the very, very beginning about a book and turning a chapter and let's start new with what's going to happen from here on out. So that sounds great. You turn the page and you've got your pen and everything's clean and you start writing. But how does that work with all the things that go on in your mind about your life and how it is, let's say you're the one that's affected by something that's changed? What do you say to yourself in your mind to get yourself on a positive path? How does that work? 
So for me, I actually am a big fan of having a pity party. And so what I do is I set a timer and it can be one, five or 10 minutes, depending on what the issue is. And I'll actually do this with my kids for one minute too, is an amazing thing. So let's say you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got this and this and this, and it's not going right. And I'm so sad. In our culture, what we do is we say, just suck it up, just get over it. Don't deal with it. Just move on. Right. That's what we say. But that doesn't happen. And so what happens is you bury it and you bury it and you bury it, it comes up and you bury it. And then you end up having all these things in your head that are negative that you've shoved down for so long. Right. And mm -hmm. so my thing is this. No, if something comes up like that and it's an appropriate time or wait till you get home, whatever. You set a timer, you can go in your room, or if you have little kids and they drive you crazy, you can go in your bathroom, lock the door, do whatever, and just let yourself get it out. Just talk about, oh my gosh, this is driving me crazy. I can't believe it. I feel sick. I don't want to feel sick. You know, whatever. This is changing my life. I don't like it. You like all the things that you're thinking, you literally verbalize them and get them out. Because once we get it out, it doesn't hold that power over us anymore. You know, it's not our secret anymore. Because if you've got all these things inside that you're holding on to and you're kind of hiding from everybody else and you don't even want to say, you know, people are like, oh, don't say it. It might come true. Well, that's a lie. I mean, that's those are just I don't know why we hear these lies. Just say it out loud. Just get it all out. And then for me, when the timer beeps, then I'm done with that thing. Now, will that come up again later? It might. And I might do it again. But for me, it just lets me get it out. OK, now I can move forward. So would you say then that let's say you're sick for whatever reason and you know you're going through treatments that are a month. I'm just putting some brackets on it just by way of example. And it's totally disrupted your life. By doing a pity party, let's say you decided, you know what, I'm doing a pity party for an hour every Tuesday morning because this is terrible. I'm going to admit it. This is horrible. It's happening, but I'm just going through it. So then would you say that if you do a pity party, you do your hour and does that take and release some of that negative energy for the rest of the time? Absolutely. Because you can always say, you know what, like, let's pretend it was me. I'll say, Sue, you know what, there's going to be a time for it again next Tuesday morning. But for now, let's focus on tasks at hand, what's happening with the day. And so you almost are slotting your pity time into a slot on your calendar, really. Exactly. Well, and if you've ever noticed, you know, the, if a woman tells a man what her problems are, she just wants to get them out, right? But he wants to give her solutions. Mm -hmm. But I don't know about you. When I'm talking to my husband, I'm like, okay, just let me get this out, right? Just let me say these things. Because as I'm saying them frequently, I come up with my own solutions. And so by allowing yourself to say these things out loud, you're not just whining, although some days may just be whining. But also a lot of times when you hear yourself say something, you'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, these treatments are horrible and I feel really sick and I only feel good if I eat peanut butter before I go and I'm sick of peanut Okay, well, so eat peanut butter before you, you know, like you'll find the solutions a lot of times in what you're saying. So you're releasing the negative energy and you might even, yeah, you might even get some positive feedback from yourself right back out of it, which sounds crazy, but if you try it, it really does work. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And just so much of what we say to ourselves and think positions and help and either makes us feel sicker or makes us feel better, even if we've got the same symptoms. It's that whole mindset. Exactly. Well, and always telling ourselves, like, stop thinking about it. Stop complaining about it. I'm not allowed to talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you're always telling yourself that you're wrong, too, like in your self-talk you know, by telling yourself you're not allowed to think about negative things, you're not allowed to, you know, it adds more negativity. So yeah, if you're giving yourself permission, you're telling yourself, I'm not wrong for wanting to talk about this. 
Now you mm -hmm. don't want to talk about all the time, like, and tell all your friends, oh, I'm so sick. Oh, I've got this thing. I got that thing. I got what, because you can reasonably talk to them. Sometimes people do want to know, but they don't need to know every single little detail that you might want to talk about. It's a good time to get it all out. There's also, we all know those people who you just feel so drained after you're with them because all they're doing is complaining about any little thing. Yeah. And if it's hard to be around people who talk like that, just think of what you're doing to yourself if you become that. Exactly. And I'll be honest. I mean, for a while I was like that. I was because, you know, I got to see everyone else is doing all these things and it was really making me sad. And it's a grieving process. It really is. How did you get out of it? Well, I had to make a decision. So my decision was, am I going to live with my health the way it is and let myself be miserable? Or am I going to live with the way my health is and find all the ways to make my life great? And look at what you've done. And look at what I've done. I mean, who doesn't want to just go and live on an island, right? Who doesn't? I mean, I've published the books I want to publish. I'm living where I want to live. You know, I've just created all these things. So even though I can't go into the ocean on a rough day because my muscles won't get me back out, right? But I can go and I can sit on the sand and I can watch my kids play. And I've made peace with that's where I am now. And it's beautiful. Okay. So I miss positivity sometimes to a fault, I have to admit. <laughs> but so could you say if, yeah, you might, for someone who has something happen to them that is going to be life-changing, okay, no problem in grieving and feel sad for what was, but instead of always looking at all of the things you can't do anymore, it's an opportunity for you to rewrite what this next phase of your life is. And not just leave it to chance and let life happen to you, but create a life that you're going to love and feel good about based on whatever limitations that you have. Such an important conversation we're having. I hope you're getting as much value out of it as I did being part of the conversation with Jen. We'll pick up again right after this quick break. I wanted to pause this discussion for a second to let you know that I recognize you may be feeling overwhelmed right now. I mean, I bring on great guests who are specialists in their fields, and we get into fabulous conversations that you know can help grow your business. So after the show, you have the full intention of grabbing a download, making an adjustment on your website, or any number of other ideas that arise as a result of this podcast. But what happens? You get back to your other activities, and the momentum you once had gets lost. What you've planned to do is forgotten. Then you feel bad because your business is going on as usual without implementing anything that you know would help grow your business. We're just too busy doing all the things, like a robot moving from one thing to another without thinking. Because we have to. I get it. I've been there. But guess what? There is another way. Since I recognized this exact behavior in my own business, I set out to do something about it. And now, what works for me, I'm sharing with you. I formalized the process, and it's called the Inspired Daily Planner made specifically for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. But it's not your ordinary planner. First off, it comes with a video explaining my productivity strategy. Plus, it's not dated, so you can start using your planner 
the second it arrives at your doorstep. And that's not all. Included for each day is a motivational message or business building tip and plenty of space to capture and book in time for to-dos, schedule appointments, and all those other ideas that are now getting lost. Think of it as a book and a planner all in one, yet compact enough to carry with you and resource as necessary. It's the perfect solution to truly act and move your business forward. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash inspired to get your hard copy planner along with my Power of Purpose video that will set you on the path for true business growth. This makes a great gift too. So if you have a biz bestie, pick up a planner for them too. That link again is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash inspired. Okay, let's get back to the show. Well, and I'll tell you about one of my dear friends. She was the first person I interviewed on my podcast. She trained horses. She designed websites. She homeschooled her children. She is now a business coach and she's always been legally blind. So try to wrap your brain around that. So if she can train horses and she can design websites and she is legally blind, what Mm -hmm. can you not do? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can do anything, right? You may have to adapt it. You may have to have it be a little different than you originally planned, but you can do it. You just have to figure out, you know, how, and you have to be willing to make peace with the fact that parts of your life will look different than everyone else's. But you know, everyone's life is different in some way. And this is what we try to explain to our kids too. Everyone's got something going on. We might not know what it is, but everyone has something, you know, we're not all Superman. We can't all go do every single thing, right? And so it's just a matter of, I think, Jenna, it's just making peace with things because there are some parts of our life that might not have been what we've chosen, but everyone has that. How do you feel about getting some professional help to get you there? Because not everyone can just do this for themselves. Like we can easily talk here, but yeah, just, you know, do your pity party. Then you should be fine. Just go on and build this whole new life. Right. Right. But I get that it's not that easy. You know, and sometimes you need some professional direction or people who are trained to be able to guide you to that path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think definitely, if, if especially somebody's really struggling, because like I said, I mean, the numbers of being clinically depressed and clinical anxiety right now are through the roof. And so if you need help, get help. But I also will say, be cautious about who you get help from. But definitely, if you're struggling, don't struggle alone definitely don't struggle alone if you need, you know, and reach out. And there's all kinds of different help now. So there's psychiatrists that can give you medicine or there's psychologists that you can talk to or social workers. And then there's life coaches and there's all different kinds of people. So find someone who's doing the kind of thing you want to do or someone who's really talking about the kind of place you want to be in, right? Psychologically, mentally, and work with that person because you've got options. So I think that's important to know as well. That was a really hard thing for me is I kept looking for help for moms with chronic illness. I couldn't find it. My husband, after a year said, you know, you're supposed to create it if you're looking for it. And I really feel like you're the one who's supposed to create it. And I thought, yeah, but it should be a positive thing, right? Like you're saying you're very positive and I wasn't feeling positive. And I said, I just don't want to be a hypocrite because that's not right. I can't tell everybody else to just be positive while I'm just really sobbing in my bed. (laughs) So, you know, it did take me a while. 
And ironically, it was the thought of being able to help other people that motivated me to get in the place I needed to be, which is another great thing that I would recommend for anybody who's struggling in any way or not struggling. I mean, this isn't for everybody, but there's been a lot of times where I've felt kind of alone and like I wasn't having my needs met for whatever, you know, health wise or whatever. And so I would look for someone who is struggling in the same way as I was, and I would go out and do for them something I wanted done for me. And because I knew what it would feel like to get that thing. And it was never a time when I was like, well, then they're going to do it back. It wasn't ever that it was someone who probably couldn't do it back. And there was just a gift in the giving for me. So I think if you're listening and you're like, but you know what, I'm just so down, whatever, you know, I just don't know how I'd get there. Try a little bit of focusing on doing something for other people or for making someone else feel better. And I mean, I'm not talking about giving to people who are jerks to you either. Like there's boundaries with that. But somebody who really needs it. And I guarantee that it's going to make you feel happy. It just is. It's so true. I mean, you hear this over and over again. By giving of yourself and helping others, it comes back to you tenfold. I'm thinking, I don't have any experience in this, so this is not a professional conversation (laughs) in that way. Make sure to say that. But, you know, if someone is struggling and just mentally like always negative, just feeling so bad, if they have the ability and the experience to give what they know or, you know, have experienced or skill with to someone else, positivity breeds positivity, right? Like you have someone tell you, oh my gosh, that helped me so much. I can now do this, or I now understand this, or you made me smile today. That in turn makes that other person feel better. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and a great place to do that for, honestly, is the Ronald McDonald House. I had to stay there with my son once. And you can give food, you can give craft supplies, you can give toys, you can give your time. But the parents that are there really are up against a wall and really appreciate it. So that is one organization that I hands down. And then another thing you were talking about smiling. One piece of advice that I try to give everybody is, so when I wake up, I'm in massive pain. I can't get up until I take medicine to take my pain. Like I just can't. So when I wake up, I do tend to have some negative thoughts. Like I wish I didn't feel this way. I wish I didn't have to go through the day this way. I'm so exhausted, you know, but when my kids come in the room for the longest time, I just be like, oh, just let me rest. Well, that sets the tone. It set the tone Mm -hmm. with my kids for the whole day. So I've changed that. And so my new thing is, hey, come in, let's cuddle up and I will purposefully smile at them. Like not a fake smile because my fake smile is scary, but like I will think (laughs) to myself, you love these people. Let's treat them like you love them and not like they're the cause of how you feel, right? And Mm -hmm. so they come in now, they cuddle up with me, I smile at them, they smile back. And I'll be honest, our whole day is like 500% better because they feel loved, then they're smiling at me, then I genuinely am smiling back. Like even in the beginning, if I have to really work at it, I don't once I get that first smile from my kids. So I think the first thing is just smile. If there's no one in your house, smile at your cat or your whatever, I don't know, but just make an effort. I used to work at a hospital at the reception, whatever, answering the phones, and they brought mirrors in and they said, okay, now when you talk to people, you need to look in the mirror and smile because your voice actually sounds different when you're smiling and when you're not smiling. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it was a really great lesson in, you know, just kind of, it's almost a fake it till you make it kind of a thing. But, you know, because when we talk to people like that, then they'd be so much happier and they'd feel better. And then we responded that way. Right. Tell me a little bit more about what you've done since, you know, life's changed and switched for you. We know about the podcast already. 
I'm specifically interested in knowing more about your books and your journal. Okay. So this is the great thing. This is what I got from Sue. Oh my gosh. If you're listening, you need to just follow everything because she is an inspiration. I've got to say, I'm so glad to be here. It's so true. Oh, that's so sweet of you. I was writing a journal and well, and it sounds silly to say writing a journal because it's a book with lines, but there's actually 6,000 words in my journal that I've written because I have a prompt for every month and it's for moms with chronic illness so that you can, you know, kind of, I look back because I'm not so young. My oldest child is 33. And I think there's so many things as a mom, as far as like keeping up my house and doing things with my kids. And you think if I were to do all of it, it's so overwhelming. But had I broken it up into little pieces, I could have got so much done. And so I thought, well, what if I wrote a journal for moms that could break things into little tiny pieces? It's a five-year journal. And by the time you're done, your house is more organized. Your medical records are more organized. You've enjoyed your kids a lot more. And you've really just done a little bite-sized piece at a time. And so I did that. And then I decided, well, I've already got the setup of the book, right? So I'm going to do one about happiness because a lot of people that are going through what I'm going through and a lot of people since 2020 are not feeling very happy. And so I did prompts every month, same way for that. And then when I was talking to, to Sue, she was talking about, well, what about people in business? And so I did my five-year daily plan for success business journal. And then I added dominate the competition by setting monthly goals, tracking progress and innovating for success. Because that just sounded, I don't know, kind of beastie. And my 13-year-old <laughs> helped me design it. But it's just got the things, you know, people always say, failing to plan is planning to fail, right? Mm -hmm. and so many of us with a small business, we might not have had to put together a business plan for the bank or any of that kind of thing. And especially if you're making something, you make your thing, you sell your thing, you make more money, you make more things, you sell more things. And, you know, we move forward. But if we had an actual plan, if we set goals, and it's not just about setting the goals, I think part of the issue, I know for me and a lot of people is you set a goal, but then you never really go back and see how much of that goal did I set? How could I make that goal better? How can I go forward the next time and improve on it? And so in this journal, I mean, in January, it starts out with the most basic thing. But I think something that a lot of us forget to even say is setting your financial goal for the year. Mm -hmm. What would you like to make this year? The business one? It's your business journal. Yeah, right now I'm just talking, well, you know, what, what is my target income this year? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of us are honestly afraid to say those numbers out loud. Because we've been taught, oh, you know, if you say positive things, they won't happen, right? Or the knock on wood. Oh, you know, we're all healthy. Knock on wood. You know, like if you say words out loud. But then there's other people that say, well, if you want to manifest things, you have to say them out loud. You know, it, well, there's these opposing camps. And I think we just need to say what we want and mark it down. And so with this journal, you write down your goal. And then through the month, you can write the different things that you're doing to get there. Mm -hmm. And then when you come back the next year to January, you'll see what did I write? last year. Oh, I met that or I exceeded that or, oh, I didn't come close to that. So what did I do? And you can go back through the journal and see this is how I was trying to get there. And if I exceeded it, what of those things can I do more of? And if I didn't get there, okay, what do I need to let go of mm -hmm. and change? Well, and this is one of the things that makes your journals, no matter which category is the one you would want to focus on, different than other things that we see out there because it doesn't have that year to year comparison. Because usually when you're done with a year, you close up that calendar, journal, plan, or whatever you want to call it and put it away. This one has five years running all in one spot, right? 
which means it probably doesn't fit in your purse. <laughs> okay. It really doesn't. In fact, so when I was coming up with mine, I thought, well, these five-year journals, there's only enough room for one sentence and there's not enough. I had one during the epidemic and I was trying to write what was happening and I could only write a couple sentences and I wish there had been more space because there was a lot happening. So I did mine eight and a half by 11. So according to Amazon, they are two and a half pounds of paper. It is a lot. But there's a lot of space then. There's at least a full paragraph, if not two, for you to write for every day if you want to. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't want to, that's okay. You can do whatever you want. But there's all kinds of space in there. And also, I was thinking it's a great place to keep all of your passwords because no one's going to want to look through your plan. <laughs> True. Hide it on your birthday or something. So, Jen, when you started creating the first one, which was the one for moms, right? Mm -hmm. How did that balance or what happened to you mentally and physically because you had something else you were focusing on besides not feeling well? Oh my gosh, it's such a help because instead of thinking about my symptoms, I'm thinking about what I can do to make this better. And then when I finished it, it's beyond an adrenaline rush. It just felt so good. And they all ended up being on Amazon within one week and it just feels so good. And so every time I look at that, I think I did that even though I don't feel so great and whatever, I did it. And my 13-year-old actually designed the whole cover for the happiness journal. And so to give her a space for that, that felt really good too. But it takes your mind off yourself. And I think when you're dealing with a chronic issue, it's so easy to think about ourselves and focus on those negative things. And your limitations, like thinking of just all the things you can't do. Exactly. But here, and that's pretty much why we wanted to talk today is look at all that you've accomplished with, as you've described, how much time you're actually up or how you can be productive if you do need to be in bed. I mean, let's just start with a person who has what we'll just call normal health. Seven kids, Jen. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It, it is a right. Lot. So you are a living example of all that you can accomplish, right? That's very sweet. I don't know. I don't think of it that way, but thank you. <laughs> well, not a chance of me for seven kids. I can tell you that right now, <laughs> even 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, gosh. So as we kind of start to wind down here, okay, we've got the next year coming upon us. We have no idea. Each of us in our own way are going to encounter different things. Either they're happening to us, happening to people that we love or our friends that we love, whatever couple of tips for us, I think on both sides, like a couple of tips for us on what to do as a friend when someone has to have a change of life for whatever reason. I think just saying, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know what to say. Mm. It's okay to say, you know, I'm so sorry, this has got to be really hard. And I don't know what to say, but I'm here because a lot of people will ghost you. And so I don't need somebody to, there is no exact right thing to say anyway. And so just to say, I'm here or, wow, you're really strong. I don't know how you're going. Not that they have a choice of how they're going through it, but acknowledge like that's really strong or just things like that. Mm -hmm. Just showing up for them, just being there. Just show up. I think that's number one. You can admit you don't know what to say. You can admit you don't know how to act. I think just to say, but I'm still here, especially if somebody has something like cancer. I think that word is so scary to everybody. And mm -hmm. so people tend to flee because they just don't know what to say, but just be there. I think that's the number one. And it's easy to be there in the beginning, but then six months from now, when they're still going through treatment, send them a text once a week, put a reminder in your phone just to say, I'm here. I just want you to know I'm here. 
Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. That's very helpful. Now swing it over on the other side if it's you. And so what would you say to someone who has something happen to them that needs to make their life change to continue on? I would say that because we know that life has its up and downs, right? You can say to yourself, right now, things are great. Things are good. But have a plan for yourself. Okay, so when something comes, and it might be 20 years from now or whatever, that's a big stressor, what am I going to do? How do I handle that best? And decide, you know, decide, okay, because maybe it's just taking some time for yourself or whatever. Have a plan for yourself. And number two, allow yourself to feel. I think in our culture, we just tell everybody to stop being upset and stop being sad and just stop whatever. No, you can let yourself feel it. Give yourself permission to feel. And if that means take a few days, I have a friend who had, I don't even remember what it was. And she said she was in bed for three days. And then her husband came in and he said, all right, you have two choices. You can live the rest of your life in bed being depressed because you have this diagnosis, or you can get up and live your life with this diagnosis. These are your options, but I can't support you laying in bed forever. You know, the mm-hmm. kids can't watch this. And she thought, oh, yeah, well, no, I guess I don't want to. It kind of made her think about that. And so give yourself that time, but then tell yourself you are going to be okay and find the ways to cope. So you're just going to need to find ways to do things differently. Like for me, I bought a hospital table. For me, that's number one. Yeah, especially like if you're crafting or whatever, if you've got a whatever, get one of those hospital tables on wheels because you can do so many m- more things from bed. Buy yourself one. They're 40 bucks on Amazon. And just find ways and make it a game. You know, how can I find ways to do things differently? Make it interesting. Make it fun. Have your kids help you or have your friends help you if you don't have kids. Come up with gamify things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I actually will give myself treats, which sounds so funny, but I'll get cookies. You know, I don't feel good. But for every time I write a page in my book, I'm going to eat a cookie. Little things like that. It sounds silly, but it gets you through. Or if you've got a treatment that you really don't want to go to and it's really hard, okay, I've got this treatment, but every time I go to treatment, I'm going to treat myself with X thing. You know, just because we're not kids doesn't mean that treats don't help. Yeah. Because they really can. Small rewards are wonderful. Yes, they are. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. No. Connected with an achievement, a goal or doing something. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be huge. I mean, don't go broke, but, but just, you know, allow yourself to feel good. Give yourself ways to feel good. Well, this has been wonderful, Jen. And like I said, you're such a good example of, you know, when life brings, I'm not going to do the whole lemon lemonade thing because that's overused, but like when something comes up that you weren't expecting that really shakes your world up, which could happen to any of us at any time at any minute, as we've all seen over the course of years, right? There are ways to cope with it better than just succumbing to it and saying everything is lost. Yeah, please don't do that. And that's the conversation. You know, I want this to be an uplifting conversation as we're entering into the new year, but it's worth time to give this some thought when you're not in the situation. What would you do if you were, because heaven forbid you found yourself there, you may be able to switch over into that new life in a little smoother way, I guess I'd say. Exactly. That's the intent for it. And we still get to be in control of our lives. And can I end on, I want to share a story, someone else's story, but it's so motivating. Yes, I'd love for you to. So it's just about hope. So if something happens and you think, oh my gosh, all hope is lost. My life is over, whatever it is. I may cry. 
my friend CJ Colas, she's amazing. I knew her in person and then I interviewed her on my podcast. When she had stage four cancer, she had had problems. She was not able to get the healthcare she needed and it was stage four by the time they found it, stage four uterine cancer. And she was on my podcast and her son was four. And she said, I am going to live for my son. I'm going to see him graduate. I'm going to see him get married. I am not letting this take over. When she went and got treatment, she would give ladies rides home who didn't have rides home on her way from her own cancer treatment, started a foundation, has a huge ball every year in Nashville. It is now five years later. I just re-interviewed her. She is cancer free. She is here for her son. He is playing football. He's doing all these things. It makes my eyes water. But it just goes to show. Does it mean that if someone passes from cancer that they did not, are not a win, whatever? No, no. You try as hard as you can. But you know what? Just because you get that diagnosis of whatever it is, that is not the end of your life. Well, it could be, but it does not mean that it's the end of your life. You keep living your life like it's going to keep going. You keep living your life and finding ways to make things happen, doing things for other people and moving forward, even when your body's pushing back, because at least you'll have peace, you'll have happiness, and you'll enjoy your life while you're here. That's the goal. Beautiful. That's a great note to end on, Jen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm optimistic that a lot of this conversation is just that conversation, and most people will only have to tap into one or two little pieces here, but on a much more mellow level. But equipping everybody with what they need moving forward was the intent here. So thanks, Jen. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This conversation has left me feeling so much more equipped for whatever 2023 can bring. By opening up as she did and being vulnerable with her situation, she's helped shed light on a way to approach the challenges that are a natural part of life. My hope for you is that your challenges are light and your year is full of beautiful experiences. Let's all welcome in 2023. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.